This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Well, welcome to the first show of 2024. Of course, the season's not quite done, but the calendar has flipped and perhaps even the Cardinals' fortunes based off what we saw to end the calendar year of 2023. Coming off an impressive road win in Philadelphia, 35-31, to in which the Cardinals overcame a 15-point first-half deficit. But first things first, gentlemen, Happy New Year. I'm guessing we all stayed up until... Okay, I was in bed before 10, so I didn't even see the ball drop in New York. But did we make it to midnight on December 31st slash January 1? I haven't seen midnight in a couple of years, so absolutely not. <laughs> Come on now, Kyle. I mean, you know, I, I came back on Redbird 1 and still, uh, you know, gutted it out uh, to pass midnight and beyond. So, you know, you just got to... But you know what the euphoria of that win? You know, boom, you just uh, keep going. You didn't want the day to end after. In fact, speaking of gut, the headline, <laughs> I was reveling in the headline in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I quote, Jonathan Gannon guts the Eagles and outcoaches the free-falling Nick Sirianni. So the Philadelphia Inquirer going for broke on the game after headline. The Philadelphia Eagles still very much alive for the playoffs and an extended playoff run with 11 wins yet it's amazing where that team is headed and perhaps where the Cardinals are headed more importantly as we look back at Sunday's game Kyle offense defense special teams your first real big takeaway from yeah the fourth win of the season but easily the best win and for the head coach the most satisfying win of the season against his former team yeah, once again, just like the Pittsburgh game, the Cardinals out-physical their physical team, took it to a good defense, imposed their will. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I, I think it's widely regarded as the best offensive uh, production output uh, game um, to string together as many drives as they did uh, with the number of plays that they ran and to be as successful as they were. Um, you know, it, you know. I know we're going to talk about what James Conner did, but you know, hats off to the offensive line just opening holes, several plays, offensive linemen 15, 20 yards downfield blocking people, wide receivers blocking. Um, and, and I know Brian Baldiger pointed it out, Trey McBride and, and his blocking. Um, you know, in my opinion, that was his best game. You know, it, he didn't have the numbers receiving, but you look at what he did to open holes in the run game. Um, he has become a complete tight end. And speaking of Trey McBride, Paul will have a chance to speak with the Cardinals, as Wolfley likes to say, stud tight end now. Trey McBride, this week's guest on the Big Red Rage Live in Trophy on Thursday. But uh, yeah, the number's not there. But as Gannon likes to say, Paul, it takes all 11, and all 11 on both sides of the ball contributed to that win. No doubt. They got the receivers involved. The tight ends were involved. Eight different receivers on the receiving end from Kyla Murray, who was nails in that second half, obviously scoring a touchdown on all four possessions. 
But it's a lot like, you know, when you're when you have a talent deficit going into a game, to Kyle's point, you got out physical the opponent. And that's the exact word Sidney Brown used after the game. We got out physical. Their gap scheme killed us, is what he said specifically. You heard the same thing coming out of Pittsburgh when TJ Watt said we got our <clears throat> rears kicked and then Mike Tomlin. So if you can establish this brand of football, this physical brand of football that, oh, by the way, pays off in December and January, you know, you got an Eagles team that might have a lot of talent, but do they have that edge and that physicality you need in the postseason? You know, Eagles fans who are all over the Cardinals bench, you got a lot bigger problems right now than just your former defensive coordinator leaving for the AZ. And uh, that's a team out there that looked discombobulated. And uh, there's no doubt. He didn't say it after the game, but there's no doubt that Jonathan Gannon knew exactly what he was coaching against. Not only the scheme, but the personnel. He knew where to get the matchups. Nick Rollis, and they schemed that thing up. And despite the fact they had a half dozen rookies starting and a lot of third stringers based on the depth chart, they figured out a way to take it to the Eagles. Speaking of the head coach, let's hear from JG postgame after beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Our guys know if we play football the right way, we can play with anybody. And I know our record isn't what we want it to be, and that falls on me. But they, they have confidence. They never waver. And I'm, what I'm really pleased about is the way they practice, the effort, they stay together, their focus, attention to detail. A lot of teams just pack it in right now. That's not our guys in there. So that's just a tribute to the character in the locker room. All week long, Gannon did not want to make this week or this previous week about himself. It was the main storyline, though, going back to Philadelphia. He and Nick Rollis facing his former boss, his former team, knowing a lot of the talent on that side of the field. And, yeah, I do think it played a major role in the outcome of the game. Just like the players wanted to get a win for James Conner going back to Pittsburgh, the team wanted a win for Jonathan Gannon in his return to Philadelphia. No question about it. But I think there was something else that happened to start the week, and it's when they cut Marco Wilson. I think it was a reminder that, guess what, guys? We got two games to play, and this team just got down 21 nothing in Chicago before they decided to bring full effort, intensity, and urgency. So we're going to finish strong, or it's going to cost someone their job. I think at different key flex points in this season, different guys have lost their gig or been traded away. And it's just a reminder, there's one way to motivate in the NFL, and it's job security. Don't have to worry about that with James Conner. His place is secure on that roster. He plays as if it's not secure. He gets it every single day. James Conner, postgame, talking about what we just discussed winning for the head coach it was nice man um you know we wanted to do it for jg got all respect for him you know he just keeps us together keeps the message the same and uh it's always nice to come back you know come back where he came from and uh, get a victory and i do think kyle that is big here late in the season when you have at that point before sunday just three wins in the first year of a brand new head coach that message it gets repeated over and over but you're not seeing the results on game day, yet those players, as you heard it, they still bought in. They are bought in to Gannon and the rest of the coaches to where, yeah, they wanted, maybe felt a little bit something different to Paul's point about going into Philadelphia and coming away with a win. Yeah, you know, from if you zoom out, uh, just looking at this game, you've got a team that has so much to play for that's trying to play their best football entering the playoffs, that's trying to 
uh, get the number one seed, that's trying to clinch their division. And you have a team that, in theory, is playing for nothing. But, uh, again, um, we already talked about how the Cardinals out-physicaled them. They also out-hustled them. I mean, you just – if you zoom out and just watch players running to the ball, the effort they gave, and, it, it, you know, it's, again, a team takes on the identity of their head coach, and he talks about how they, they're resilient, and they don't give up, and they stick to the plan, and they believe in the plan. That all starts at the top, and the message is getting through. And to your point, the payoff it has been there. The payoff, you know, this team is turning a corner. They can see if they do the things that they're asked to do in practice, if they go out there and execute in games – this formula works. And this formula, you know, this formula will carry in the playoffs. You need to be a physical team late in the season. You need to be able to impose your will and establish the run game and do the things that this team has been doing. And I believe a lot of it, you know, people on the outside think that this old win-win for the Gipper thing, it doesn't exist. Guys are in this league to play for themselves. It absolutely exists. When you have a head coach, and I've been there, that believes in you, that falls on the sword after tough losses, after you make a mistake, and he takes the blame and says, we need to coach better, we need to, to get back to the practice field. Um, and and that's what you're seeing now. This team believes in this coach. This team will fight for this coach. And it was a large reason why the Cardinals came out with way more energy in this game, even though they shouldn't have. I mean, there's so many teams that are sitting where the Cardinals are sitting that aren't playing hard, that have given up on this season, that are looking forward to their vacations in a week's time, and the Cardinals is not one of those teams. And that should carry over into the offseason. There's going to be a ton of changes. It happens every single year, but won't, what won't change, you hope, is that buy-in and making sure that everyone is on the same page because the message is, one, consistent, and then you're seeing – it hasn't been a lot of wins, but you are seeing results, especially late in the season. And that's the belief in the culture. The, the, the culture doesn't show up just on Sundays. The culture shows up in your off-season work. The culture shows up on your practice days, you know, the, the week nine, week ten, when your body hurts, when you, everybody's dealing with something. And you show up and you continue to try to get better, um, it, and you can see it. I, I mean, to me, the biggest thing, whenever this season's over and we, we take a look back and we talk about what things did they accomplish, well – the win-loss record, it's not great this season, but the culture has changed, and I think that's obvious to anybody that looks at this team. The record doesn't look good, but forget 4-12. and 12. How about 3-4? and four? The record with Kyler Murray at quarterback, and on Sunday, for the second time in three games, the Cardinals set season highs in points and total yards. First time against the 49ers, and then Sunday against the Eagles. Here is K1 on his offense. After the game, JG had told us, you know, we didn't punt all day, you know, so as far as confidence, we moved the ball, you know, whole first half. We just obviously got the interception and, and then kicking field goals in the red zone. So it wasn't like, you know, we weren't moving it. But I think, you know, we just we, we executed well today. We executed uh, the game plan. Guys blocked their asses off. Receivers and running backs made plays. Man, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a good day. Zero punts. Paul, you and I and Kyle, we all had as much to do with that game as Blake Gillikin as far as kicking the ball he did hold and that is a major benefit but yeah no punts Blake Gillikin did not have to worry about anything on Sunday and you know you're down 21-6 at halftime and you had been moving the ball and that 99 yard pick six on the road against the supposed division champion you're like well that's the backbreaker that's all it takes games in the NFL can come down to a single 
game-changing play like that. And yet the Cardinals had the mental strength and fortitude to come out in that second half, and oh my goodness, right? Touchdowns in all four possessions. They had 19 first downs just in the second half alone, 270 total yards just in the second half alone. To be able to fight like that, to be able to run the ball, and then in the fourth quarter you saw an Eagles defense that wanted no part of James Conner at that stage of the game. I, I mean, you see the mental strength in a Cardinals team that will at least continue to fight. And so you're thinking, okay, what carries over from one season to the next? Well, that sort of mentality carries over. And I do believe that you can cite a win like that going forward. The head coach can go back to that sort of win. Remember when we were down 21-6 against an 11-win Eagles team on the road, hostile environment, and then we're able to pull it out and win at the very end? So that, to me, is a win that carries. The confidence in the coaching staff, the players that we know will be back that carries over. Momentum, whether you believe that from one week to the next, one season to the next, but the confidence and the belief in what you're teaching and what you're doing on the football field, okay, it is successful. It is going to work. Yeah, and, and offensively, it's the way they won. I mean, typically you see a team that's, you know, the Cardinals have become a run-first team. Those teams can't come back from big deficits. It becomes increasingly difficult because you lose your balance. You have to go out there and throw the ball in the second half. Cardinals stuck with the run game. They continued the balance in their offense, and they were methodical about how they got back in this game. It wasn't explosive plays that won this game for the Cardinals. It was sticking to what they believe in, sticking to their offense, and in the end, they won the game. Cardinals with one more game this season, a home game against the Seattle Seahawks. Next season, though, the Cardinals will host the Bears, Patriots, Jets, Lions, and, of course, the NFC West. For more information to join the season ticket priority list, go to azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. The head of the snake, if you will, of that Cardinals offense, Kyler Murray, his best performance of the season. We'll discuss that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Can we have some Murray magic here? The Cardinals will need it. Snap to Murray. Short set. Looks left. Throws left. Carter caught it at the five. Turns left. Breaks a tackle into the end zone for the touchdown. Snap to Murray. Three-step drop. Looking. Steps up. Spins away from Sweat. Now backs up near his 20. Floats it left side into the end zone. One-handed catch for a touchdown by James Conner. What a grab by Conner. And what a throw by a backpedaling Kyler Murray escaping pressure. Snap to Murray. Blitz coming. Murray backing up. Floats into the end zone, middle of the end zone, pulled in by Wilson for a touchdown. What a throw by Kyler Murray, facing pressure. Murray has been brilliant here in the second half, his third touchdown pass. The Kyler Murray that we saw two years ago when the Cardinals started 7-0 and 10-2 has arrived today in Philadelphia. Third touchdown pass of the half. A season-best three touchdowns, first three passing touchdown games since week eight of 2022. More importantly, four second-half touchdown drives orchestrated by one Kyler Murray, helping the Cardinals beat the Eagles 35-31. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And Paul, you and I discussed it on Cardinals Cover 2 on Monday, the definition of a franchise quarterback, someone who can lead you back from a 15-point first-half deficit and know that when the ball is in his hands late in the game, odds are pretty good that you're going to come away with a victory. I mean, they started 0-for-2 in the red zone, finished 4-for-4. So I think it was adjustments over the course of that game because going into the game, and we talked about this from the sidelines, 
right before kickoff. I mean, what have teams been intent on doing against Kyler Murray? Keep him in the pocket at all costs. Show him a lot of zone coverage and disguise those coverages. That's what teams have been doing. That was the book against Kyler Murray. And the Bears did a pretty good job of it the week before. So that was a challenge. Can you get better? Can you adjust to the adjustments? Something that plagued the previous coaching staff, if we're in the trust tree here. So I think what you saw was an Eagles team that tried a lot of the same stuff. All right, we're only going to rush to as far as Kyler gets because we don't want him escaping left or right through the C-gap. We're going to go ahead and we're going to disguise coverage, a lot of post-snap stuff. We're going to go and he read it all. He went, he got the receivers involved, even minus Hollywood Brown. They had 14 grabs, the receivers, for over 140 yards, the Michael Wilson touchdown, and then the offensive line excelled. You saw Kyler at the line of scrimmage, changing plays, checking into things. He appeared to really see the field, and ultimately he beat the Eagles from the pocket. That's the sideline perspective on what Paul saw from Kyler Murray on Sunday. The player perspective, from your viewpoint, Kyle, looking, watching that game, I'm assuming from the comforts of your living room with the feet up and perhaps maybe a cold drink on either hand or maybe even both hands. But what you saw from Kyler on Sunday compared to the previous games this season. Again, it's a small sample size. Yeah, I even look at throughout Kyler's career to me the most encouraging thing about this game you know for starters Paul's exactly right um, executing this offense um, being under center um, it, you know doing enough with his legs look he didn't destroy them with his legs but made some big plays extended plays um, had a you know a big quarterback draw in a crucial moment in the game um, you know showing no hesitation to pull it down if he had to but to me you look at Kyler's career and he hadn't he didn't always respond well to adversity and you know having failed twice in the red zone throwing that 99 yard pick six I don't know that a young Kyler Murray bounces back as well as he did and for him to go out there come out in the second half with the poise you know because how the quarterback handles himself trickles down to the rest of the team. And if the quarterback is is frustrated, if the quarterback is disengaged from the game because of a mistake, whether it be his or somebody else on the team, if there's an argument on the sideline because uh, a rookie potentially made a mistake on a route and makes you look bad and, and affects your numbers, I don't know that the young Kyler Murray responds the way he did. But for him to go out there and lead this team um, and and do the things that he did in the second half. I mean, we all know uh, the things he can do with his arm, um, but to show a degree of resiliency, toughness in a really tough environment, in front of a tough crowd, in front of a really talented defense, a stout front four, and go out there and lead his team to victory, I think that's the biggest takeaway from Kyler Murray's performance for me. Even down 21-6 at halftime, there was no doubt in Jonathan Gannon's mind that Kyler was going to lead the team back to a win. We talked about going into the game. The situation came up a little bit different, but we wanted to know if we were in the game, we wanted to make sure that one had the ball at the end. After the two-minute there, I mean, the look in his eyes, it was. I said, I got on the headset and said, guys, we're winning the game. Like, he's going to make plays and he's going to score a touchdown. That's what he did. He was lights out today. And that explains why the onside kick was attempted because, to Gannon's point, he wanted to make sure Kyler Murray was the last quarterback to touch the football, not Jalen Hurts. 
And at the time, in the moment, I was like, wow, where does that come from? Is it the fact the Cardinals are the only team in the NFL with a successful onside kick this year? Are they that confident in Matt Prater? Uh, did they see something? And the answer is yes and yes. They're confident in Prater. He got the exact kick they wanted. They kicked it at the guy they wanted to kick it to, uh, from what my understanding is. But the guy made a play. So, okay, either way, your defense has to get a stop in either scenario. So why not take a shot at it? And if you do, it ends up cutting the field in half. And then after the penalty, they started at the 39 of the Cardinals. But either way, uh, you're banking on getting Kyler the ball back. And then on that, you know, and to tie it at 28-all, I'll just say this too. Talking to some of the coaches, it's 28-all. It's fourth and four from the five. The Michael Wilson touchdown pass. The Eagles were bringing the house. And the Cardinals O-line and Kyler made an adjustment. And they had to get a hat on a hat, but they didn't have enough to cover everyone who was coming. They purposely let Fletcher Cox go at number 91, the older guy, the slowest guy getting to the quarterback, and that's exactly what happened. There's 91, and he's a free runner to the quarterback, but Kyler was able to backpedal, backpedal, and then get away, get away with uh, that extra moment before getting the pass off to Michael Wilson, six points. You wait just long enough for not only to buy some extra time for Michael Wilson to get open in the end zone because at that point, again, you're fourth down. That's that's the ball game. That's the play right there. You don't come up with that touchdown, now all of a sudden you're, you're really up against it. And a defense, Kyle, that had not really stopped the Eagles much, though they did a handful of times, or I should say enough times to allow the offense to get back into the ball game. Yeah, I, I love it. And again, to me uh... – one of the big takeaways was is just the confidence in Kyler, and that will serve this team well because Kyler will be this quarterback going forward. For the head coach to say, hey, I want the ball in his hands, and for him to deliver like he did, um, you know, it's going to – their relationship right now, um, you know, it's going to be great going forward just because of – since since Jonathan Gannon took this job, I think he's pushed all of the right buttons with this team – um, overall, but more specifically with Kyler Murray and how he's handled, um, you know, giving trust to him and building an offense around what he does well to accentuate his talents and to give him um, the freedom and the trust like he did late in the game and to put the ball in his hands, like Paul said, on the fourth and four in the two-point conversion and even late in the game to say we want the ball in his hands with an opportunity to either tie it or win. Kyler's numbers, 25 of 31 for 232 yards, three touchdowns. Yes, there was that interception, but in the second half, darn near perfect. 13 of 14 for 133 yards and three touchdowns. Kyler Murray on what was working for him in the quarters three and four. Man, just getting in a groove, um, you know, Focusing on the, on the play that was, you know, in the moment, just being in the moment, focusing on that play, understanding the concepts and what we're trying to get, uh, accomplish um, and executing, not worrying about anything before or after, uh, letting it go. And also, man, just like I said, hitting a groove, um, getting these reps in and, and continue to play football. That's kind of, you know, this is what I don't know what game this is, but, you know, it's, it's feeling good now. Yeah, seven games for Kyle Murray with the eighth coming up on Sunday. And just diving into those numbers just a little bit more into what he did in the second half. Of those 13 completions, 10 resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Wow. Everything that he was doing was moving that football and bottom line getting that football into the end zone. 
you know, it was interesting after the game, too, because he got the receivers involved, something that had not happened a whole bunch the previous three games. And it was interesting to hear Michael Wilson tell the media pretty much exactly what Rondell Moore said at his locker a week and a half earlier. Quote, we've been hearing a lot about all the wide receivers can't get open. I would just encourage you to watch the tape and formulate your own opinion. In other words, the receivers were winning enough one-on-ones, yet weren't on the receiving end of enough passes and completions. So was it a matter of time and just reps together? Perhaps. But at the same time, the Cardinals have not been maximizing that aspect of the pass game. And, and you saw that come to fruition. Now, minus Darius Slay, I get it. They were undermanned a little bit, but that's still a pretty solid Philadelphia defense. And to do it on the road and to do it with a silent count most of the game, and Kyler only got sacked once and he really didn't cut touched on that one it was more the turf monster from my recollection watching it on the sidelines so you know there were certain things that they wanted to improve in this game and they did it as a collective offense and Kyler mentioned post game that quote we had to switch some stuff up regarding trying to get those receivers more involved he wasn't very specific but did credit Drew Petzing for calling a great game so there were some things done differently on Sunday than had been done the previous games. But again, it goes back to that second-half performance, the rally from a 21-6 halftime deficit. James Conner on what he saw from K-1. Yeah, he was just uh, he was operating he was operating well and just marching us downfield. We had a lot of long play drives. And, uh, yeah, he was just dicing back there, getting us, getting us lined up, getting us organized, and just uh, making a shake for us. And so needed him today, a big win for us. And again, it wasn't all Kyler Murray. We'll touch more on what James Conner and the run game was able to do and also the offensive line. But this is specifically about Kyler Murray and his performance. And it's not it's not going out on a limb, Kyle, to say that this is Kyler Murray's best performance of the season. And maybe, if you want to argue, within this offense, which is a much different offense than he has experienced the previous four seasons, let alone maybe his entire football career, but an NFL offense that doesn't require him to do everything which maybe was asked of him to do in his first four years. Yeah, again, you know, to put Kyler in a balanced offense, something he probably has never really had where you have a real run threat and where the defense is constantly left guessing. Um, You know, to me, this offense, just the operation is just so smooth, you know. You come out of this game with only 25 yards and penalties. You weren't consistently behind the sticks. You didn't have mistakes from this offense that were, you know, putting Kyler in third and extremely long. And they, and this offense was able to, you know, go down the field and execute over and over and over. And again, that's a tremendous credit to Drew Petzing, a tremendous credit to this entire offense for going out there executing, not making critical mistakes in critical moments. And, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, from Jonathan Gannon's introductory press conference, he said that he wanted this team to be smart, to be adaptive, and to be violent. And all three of those characteristics were on display in that game on Sunday. They were smart. They didn't beat themselves. Um, you know, they were violent. They out-physicaled the team. And, you know, it, again, the offense only works if Kyler's bought in, if he is improving week to week, if you get results, and all of those things happen this week. Cardinals, since day one, when Jonathan Gannon was hired, has been Kyler Murray's number one fan. And that has not changed at all here at the end of this season. In fact, coming up on Friday, the final Cardinals game plan, in which Paul and Ron Wolfley get a chance to sit down with the head coach on his weekly TV show, talked more about his admiration 
for the Cardinals franchise quarterback? It comes from a, really a love and respect for the player. And that's how I kind of approach it with him because that's I do. I love the guy and I respect the guy, the competitor that he is. And I don't know if there's a person in this building that has the will to win. I would say, like me, that's not being hubris, but I expect myself to have that will. He has that will. Full conversation with the head coach coming up on Friday at 6.30 on 12 News, the season finale of Cardinals Game Plan. And that was just part of a very fascinating answer by Jonathan Gannon to the question by Wolf. Does your relationship with a quarterback need to be different than the offensive coordinator's relationship with the quarterback? And he went into a whole explanation how the quarterback – ideally is an extension of the head coach and there are certain things he'll trust and empower Kyler with that he won't do with any other player and he believes in that as part of the process because you need that guy out between the white lines where he obviously can't go as the coach so it was really interesting and Gannon really opened up on a lot of different aspects of that win in this season and uh, that'll be Friday at 6.30 on 12 News. That relationship between head coach and quarterback, regardless of what kind of offense you're running or whether it's a head coach that comes from an offensive background or a defensive background, you need to have that relationship as tight and as close as it can possibly be. Absolutely. If it, There needs to be trust in the relationship. In order to do that, you have to be able to talk about things, talk about you know what things do you like, what things do you not like, what things does this team need to do better, and you need to be open and honest with the quarterback. It can't be um, a coach telling a player, or particularly the quarterback, what to do. You need to have this back and forth about what can we do, because they're in this together. I mean, it, Jonathan Gannon will only go as far as Kyler goes and vice versa. And, it, you know, by all indications, it is a great relationship. And I would think a game like this would only build that relationship, uh, make it stronger going forward. The head coach is the leader of the team. Your quarterback, the leader in that locker room to where you better buy in and follow. I think that was a big question, Paul. Were guys following Kyler Murray? I think that question has been answered. And you know what? Everyone formulates so many opinions based on a three-second cutaway <laughs> shot from the sideline, right? They've been doing it for years on Kyler. I can just tell you, as a guy who's down there the entirety of the game, he was working the entire sideline most of the game, going up to his offensive linemen, the running backs, the receivers, after talking with Drew Petzing and his quarterback's coach, and then going over and, and trying to implore the defense to get him the ball back. And so you're seeing this evolution, and I think you're seeing a comfort level in the offense. You're seeing a comfort level being under center. It looks much more fluid, and he's able to not worry about some of the mechanics, and I think that's why he's seeing the field better now too because he's able to devote 100% of his attention and effort into just what the opposing 11 are doing instead of what he has to do. Kyler Murray, the face of the offense, the heartbeat of the offense though. That is James Conner, what number six did on Sunday and has been doing all season long. We'll discuss that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. ball straight ahead. Connor across the 30. Plus it to the outside. Gets a first down. Connor trying to run left side. Got a crease at the 40. Breaks a tackle at the 50. And out of bounds inside the Eagle 45 at the 44-yard line. That's a great run. And it is his third 100-yard rushing game of the year and 13th of his career. Connor up the gut. Got the first down inside the 10. Just a straight right hand. 
to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's why they call it the blood sport. Floats it left side into the end zone. One-handed catch for a touchdown by James Conner. What a grab by Conner. Quick snap, handoff Conner straight ahead. Geese to the goal line and across for the go-ahead touchdown. James Conner punches it in and the Cards take the lead 34 to 31 with 32 seconds to go in the game. First time in 24 games, an Eagles defense allowed a 100-yard rusher. And James Conner finished with 128 yards on a season-best 26 carries in what was a Cardinals 35-31 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. As we discussed that here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rayaloup, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. And I'll turn this conversation over to you, Kyle, as a defensive player trying to stop, slow down a James Conner. A lot of teams have tried this season. A lot of teams have failed. Absolutely. Um, Look, he is just so strong, so physical, um, really almost seeks out defenders to try to get contact on plays. And I was uh, looking at trying to break down some of his stats um, how many yards rushing does he have? Nine hundred, just over nine hundred this year. He needs what was it? I think he's got eight ninety. Yeah, he needs, needs one ten to get to a thousand for the first time in his career. All right. So of that eight ninety, he has six hundred and three yards after contact this season. Um, wow. His yards after contact is it's three point three, which is up significantly from his career high of two point seven. And then you break down because we all know you've got to feed him, and as a game goes, he gets stronger. And you know, to your point, Craig. Um, I've been in this situation this point in the season. My wrists hurt, my elbows hurt, my shoulders hurt. It's not that I necessarily want to turn down tackles. I just can't tackle like I used to. And you, you add to that throughout the course of a game how it's much more difficult to bring down a big physical runner like James Conner, particularly when he seems to gain steam and get stronger throughout the course of a ball game. And you look at his – there's a website that breaks down his carries by quarter. Um, through this season, he's had 62 carries in the first quarter, six in the second. 36 in the third, and 77 carries in the fourth quarter. And 278 of those 603 yards after contact are in the fourth quarter. So he is making hay and punishing people and fighting for extra yardage in the fourth quarter. And this team leans on him in those situations. Will Hernandez told us on the Big Red Rage a few weeks ago that in that fourth quarter, it's true. Defenders don't want any piece of James Conner, especially if the game's already decided. They're like they're taking mysterious angles to the football and uh, not really engaging number six. And I would say, based and just what he does, I've talked about this before. Not just the player, it's the mentality, it's the mindset, it's him coming off the field after a scoring drive and stalking the sideline, mean mugging everyone. It's just this the mentality and what pours out of him that guys feed off. And then the way the sideline reacts to him, I'd say the top three reactions from the sideline in that game, the game-winning touchdown plunge from two yards out, the one-handed touchdown catch, guys went bananas, and then Michael Carter breaking the ankles of the Eagles' DB in space. Guys love that as well. And it just fires everyone up. They're off the bench and engaged. And Connor never makes it about himself. He has a big game. He always deflects the praise to everyone around him. In fact, let's hear from James Conner post-game Sunday total team effort you know the receivers and tight ends they were blocking down field well but also making plays you know to keep the chains moving and then our offensive line showed up all day um you know they're they were setting the tone throughout the week of practice and it carried over today and so uh you know you can't go for a yard without them 
And let's discuss the offensive line because it wasn't just five guys. There were seven different offensive linemen who played. Calvin Beecham came in when DJ Humphreys left with a knee injury. No updates as of this taping or recording or show of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. What that means moving forward, who knows? And then Tristan Colon came in for a couple of snaps, spelling Elijah Wilkinson at left guard. But that offensive line, Kyle, has been stellar pretty much all season long. There's been a little bit of a rotation at left guard, but other than that, it's been pretty solid the entire way. And I mentioned this before, it's not a bunch of pro bowlers or all pros, but collectively as a unit, one of the better ones in the league. Yeah, and I don't think they get enough credit uh, for what they're doing because it, you know when we used to scout teams, we would chart, okay, here's their favorite run, and it, it became a bit predictable. Like, okay, this guard is the athletic one. He's the puller. Uh, so the Cardinals go into this game, and it's it's almost a 50-50 mix of zone blocking and man blocking. And so, A, you can't prepare for one run. Um, but, B, even their, their man blocking where um, I, they talk about it on the broadcast as the pin and pull. You're blocking down on the front side, and you're pulling somebody from the back side. It's somebody different every time. Yelda Froholt was pulling. The guards were pulling. Trey McBride was pulling. And so you, you don't have keys. You don't – you know, we talk about keeping a defense on their heels and keeping them guessing between run pass. It's also keeping them guessing in the run game. There is no you, – you can't go into this uh, Cardinals game and say, if we stop their zone runs, they've got no chance. If we stop their man blocking, they've got no chance. They do such a good job of mixing it up. And if you're going to do that, you have to have extremely smart offensive linemen, extremely physical offensive linemen, but really athletic. To have a center snap the ball and be able to pull and kick somebody out, um, there, there's not a lot of centers in this league that can do that. And, um, it, you know, again, across the board, they're getting it done. They're asking guard tackle to pull. They're asking different guys to do it on different plays, and it becomes extremely difficult for a defense to stop that type of run attack. I mentioned the quote from Sidney Brown, who had the 99-yard pick six, but was also part of a defense that got gashed for over 200 rushing yards for the first time in 49 games in Eagles history. Think about what the Cardinals did and what the Eagles had not allowed in, in so many games. But he, he mentioned the pin and pull. He mentioned the Cardinals' ability to get to the perimeter and then get upfield for Connor to get out to the numbers and then get north and south. I mean, think about it. The Cardinals' run game is number six in the NFL right now in yards per game, number two in yards per carry. And James Connor's number seven overall in terms of runners in the NFL in yards per carry. So to Kyle's point and explosive runs, Cardinals are second only to the Baltimore Ravens. So to Kyle's point, this O-line has been underrated all year long. And this week, going up against a Seahawks defense that is 30th against the run. What do you think is the game plan for the Week 18 season finale for the Arizona Cardinals? What was the epiphany after the Pittsburgh game when Jonathan Gannon shared with us that he told Drew Petzing, don't be afraid to repeat plays? This is like the old uh, B.A. days. Here's 22 and 23 double, 30 times against the Seahawks. Cardinals are going to come out and just run it and run it until they can stop it. We'll look ahead to Sunday's matchup. 225 is the kickoff on Sunday. This is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Can the Cardinals spoil the Seahawks' postseason plans? We'll get into that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Tyler Murray has been magical in the second half, and the ball will be in his hands. 
This is what your franchise quarterback does. Deep drop for Murray. Sends a pass to the near sideline. Caught again. Dorch broke a tackle. 30, right side 20. Cuts back to the left of the 10. Another broken tackle. And finally gobbled up at the 6, but it will be first and goal. Quick snap. Hand off Connor straight ahead. Geese to the goal line. And across for the go-ahead touchdown. James Connor punches it in. And the Cards take the lead 34-31 with 32 seconds to go in the game. This will be the final play. Hertz takes a shot deep middle of the end zone, and it is intercepted in the back of the end zone. And the Arizona Cardinals give Jonathan Gannon a signature victory in his first season with the Redbirds. And really, it was not because of Kyler Murray. It was not because of James Conner. As you heard on that final drive, the voice of Dave Pash, Greg Dortch, 10-yard catch, 36-yard catch. Got anything to say about Greg Dortch over there, Kyle? Feed him. Keep, <laughs> keep playing him. I mean, every time he gets the ball in his hands, it seems like he does something special. And um, to me, I mean, even the, the catch on that first drive where he completely laid out to catch that ball early in the game, um, you know, he doesn't drop the ball. He seems to get separation, makes guys miss in space. Um, he's proven to be a, a valuable contributor to this ball club. Also a 33-yard kickoff return, over 180 yards all-purpose for Greg Dorch. His confidence level is through the roof. He'll just look you in the eye and tell you, I'll make you miss in a phone booth. Uh, he's confident, and we've said it before. As a guy who has cut six times, played on five different teams over his first three years, you live on the edge of an NFL roster, you play with an edge. And that's what he does out there. And then I, I think Pash was especially fired up because he had to spend four hours calling the Cotton Bowl a couple <laughs> days earlier where there were like 40 punts in that game. So Dave was really fired up because he had a lot of action to call there in the second half. Cardinals and Seahawks is your Week 18 finale. State Farm Stadium, the Cardinals and Seahawks will kick off at 225. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Cardinals with nothing to play for except to spoil the Seahawks, who are still alive despite losing last week at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their playoff hopes, though, by a thread, they need to win and a Green Bay loss to the Bears, who have won four of their last five. There's some other scenarios involving ties, but that's unlikely. But again, the Seahawks not in control of their playoff destiny. And how big of a deal, Kyle, when you talk about the role of spoiler, it's something that us in the media like to talk about. But players, at the end of a season, when your season ends, you know you're not going to be playing anything past Week 18. But much like last week, the Philadelphia the Eagles dropped to a five seed on that loss. Yeah, they're in the playoffs, but now they're going to probably have to go on the road for most of their playoff run. And now here the Seahawks trying to get in the door – into that playoff picture, and the Seahawks or the Cardinals can say, yeah, no, not this year. It's huge, and, and the way they have an opportunity to do it, the way they're playing a physical brand of football against a team that can't seem to tackle anybody. Um, and, you know, look, they, they whether Jonathan Gannon's saying it or not, it meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to the players to give that gift to him. This would be a tremendous New Year's gift to Paul Calvisi, who is not the biggest Pete Carroll fan, uh, to go out there and beat the Seahawks. And I'm sure that's what they're talking about in meetings today. I think it's more admiration that Paul has for Double Rainbow more than disgust or dislike. I just 
Don't forget, he's older than Bill Belichick. <laughs> and the energy level, I do respect the energy level, but nobody respects the 12s. So, you know, if you really want to go out on a high note, you wreck the Seahawks holiday. You know, they got lucky last year. They got that win in the season finale, and then got help when Green Bay lost to Detroit, and that's how the Seahawks backed in last year. You can't have that happen two years in a row. They didn't earn it last year, and they certainly don't look like a playoff team this year. No, they have lost, talking about the Seahawks, five of their last seven. And again, a costly home loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 30-23. to And we kind of already discussed what that run defense has looked like of the Seahawks. It is not very good. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> the defense, number 24 in scoring. But remember, it wasn't, actually it was a long time ago, if you think about the first meeting between these two teams, all the way back in Week 7, Cardinals lost 20-10, to but they forced three turnovers right. and only scored three points and yeah. lost. Yeah, you win the turnover battle 3 nothing, and you lose the game. That's a real anomaly, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Josh Dobbs had a really poor game in terms of accuracy. That was So now, guess what? You get the real Cardinals with their real quarterback, and let's see how this thing turns out. And James Conner missed that first meeting as well in Week 7, so a vastly different Cardinals team that the Seahawks will see on Sunday. Absolutely. They're going to see a team playing with a lot of confidence, a team um, that, that should be feeling really high right now and, and want to go out and finish this season on a high note. Um, you know, look, I already mentioned it. Uh, the defense is struggling. They played a horrible game, couldn't tackle anybody against Pittsburgh. It's a real opportunity to go out, kind of cut and paste a, a bit of an offensive game plan and do some of the same things they did last week. I mean, Devin Witherspoon after the game said, they came out and they ran the football down our throat. Well, I'm guessing the Cardinals are going to do the same thing until the Seahawks prove they can stop it. We'll see what happens. 225 is the kickoff on Sunday. 930 pregame coverage begins. And then we'll all reconvene one week from today and talk about the Week 18 finale right here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.